Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood Hello. journey. It's another episode of the Mahogany Moms Podcast. I'm Dr. Shell, educational psychologist, mental health therapist, parenting coach, and author. And so today I am so excited to talk with another mom. We have uh, Miss LaVista to the podcast. And so she is a mom boss and she is a mother, right? And so she's going to share with us her experience into this whole thing about motherhood. Welcome, LaVista, to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I am. I'm so excited to, for you to share your story. Um, so let's jump right on in and tell us about yourself. Tell us more about yourself. Okay. So like you said, I'm La Vista, like Asta La Vista. I say that to everybody, <laughs> right? So I am the founder and lead strategist at 31 Marketplace, which is an agency that helps overworked solopreneur women get stuff done in their business without the burnout that sometimes uh, comes along with that by blending systemization and self-care. So making both of those things simple, personal, and effective for that particular business owner. I currently reside here in Arizona by way of the greatest state, in my opinion, Ohio. <laughs> so OH for anybody from Ohio that is listening to the show afterwards. I am married to my high school sweetheart. We have been married for almost, I said high school sweetheart. That's not right. College. <laughs> <laughs> I was he like, high school. Woo, that's yeah, a long he time. Is my college sweetheart. Like, I don't even know where that, where that came from. Um, so we've been uh, married for nine years, but we've known each other for it, like half of my life, literally for 20 years. Cause we met wow. my sophomore year in college and his senior year in college, but it wasn't until way into our thirties that we actually got married. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, and I am a mom. So a, a bit about my motherhood journey. I am a mom of four. However, I only have one child that's actually earth side with me. So uh, with that, I'm an infertility overcomer, you know, and I had my miracle baby, my son, who's five years old right now, but I also am a grieving mother. So I lost my three youngest children to miscarriage. So it's always a, a weird kind of like, you know, well, how many kids do you have? And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. you know what? There have been four heartbeats that have mm -hmm. like lived inside of my body. I have four children. I only got to hold one of them in my arms though. And I like how you phrase that because a lot of times when moms have miscarriages, and depending on where, where they are in the miscarriage, right? Because there's this whole conversation and controversy uh, really amongst women and moms about whether like a miscarriage from definition, it's a miscarriage can be called a miscarriage or labeled a miscarriage up to four months. Right. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes when women, when people think of miscarriage, they think about the first few weeks. And so oftentimes moms, when they're asked how many kids you have, they discount the earlier stage miscarriage because for whatever reason. So the fact that you acknowledge it and say, and we, we haven't even gotten into at what point um, you miscarried, but the fact that you're just acknowledging that you have four kids and one is here with, uh, you know, with us. Mm -hmm. And so I just, that's a good way of putting it. So tell us about your, your miscarriage experience, what that, what that was like for you. Yeah. I mean, 
one word, it was hard. It's the hardest thing I have ever dealt with in my life. I can remember the the first one that we had, which was my second pregnancy, you know, and if anybody has ever watched Charlie Brown and they're familiar with like the, the adult voice, you know, in mm-hmm. Charlie Brown, it's like, wah, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. like, you know, having gone through one pregnancy already and going through full term, seeing like all the ultrasounds, like I knew what I was expecting to see, you know, mm-hmm. on the screens and things had been going, you know, as planned, you know, going in, seeing her heartbeat and, you know, seeing her develop, seeing her grow to one morning, I just woke up and I was getting ready to get in the shower. And um, when I got out, I realized that I was bleeding Mm. and I yelled to my husband and I'm like, you've got to get me to the doctor now. And so he got me, got me in they, you know, had me in the room and, you know, they did the ultrasound and it was, it was a very surreal feeling having, just having been there, Mm -hmm. having just heard her heartbeat, like echo throughout that entire room. And then looking at that screen and seeing nothing happening. Mm. And so even though the tech didn't say anything to me, I knew what was going on. And so by the time I got redressed and got into the room for the doctor to come in, like, you know, she's trying to explain things to me. And it literally was just like this wah, 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 wah mm. words coming from her. And I remember just looking at my husband and I was just like, you have got to get me the out of here, <laughs> right? Like, I can't be here right now. So then, you know, he was able to take me home. We had our son with him, you know, with us. Like, it was a whole family thing. Like, hey, we've got a doctor's appointment. We're all good. You know, it was kind of like our routine. And at that point, in the pregnancy, it was the weekend, um, that first one that you're supposed to be in that safe zone going into your second trimester. Mm -hmm. And we were getting ready to announce to the world, Hey, you know, like the family is growing, baby number two is coming. Mm -hmm. But instead we're telling the people that knew like, you know, our daughter died. And so it was, um, it was, it was heartbreaking. Like I felt like my heart and my life, like had broken into like a million little pieces just in an instant. So I know you said that you were, you know, waiting for the doctor to come in and you wanted to leave. You didn't leave, did you? No, I didn't leave. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, but it was just, you know, I know that she was going through like, you know, choices like, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, we could do a DNC, we can do this. And I'm just like, conceptually, like I'm hearing you, but not processing. Like, Mm -hmm. no, it's just like, I... I, I can't be here <laughs> right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm looking at my, like you have, you've got to take me home. Like, I can't, like, I can't, I cannot deal with this, what this woman is trying to tell me. Cause it's like, you know, at that point it's very medical. Like here's the procedure yes. we could do. Mm-hmm. Here's this, here's that. And it's just like, what I needed in the moment was a hug, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's like, I don't, I don't, you know, thank you, but I need to go. <laughs> I need yes. to go so because like I can feel like these tears like and I'm going to like lose it and my son's not going to understand what's happening and I don't want to have that moment with you I want to have that moment with my husband and just us so yeah and so tell us about what the grieving process was like for you yeah well about 18 months after I had that first miscarriage I miscarried our third pregnancy mm-hmm. so pretty close together. So that time period for me, the best way I can describe it is it was very dark, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was angry. I was angry. Mm -hmm. I feel like at like 
everybody. Like I was angry at myself. I was angry at my body. I was angry at God. Like I I was just angry Mm -hmm. and just kind of sat in that anger for a really long time to the point where it almost actually cost me the relationship with my best friend, with my husband, because, you know, he's like, you know, every time I try and talk to you, you're just like angry. And I'm like, I am angry. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I am angry. Like I have lost two children and I'm mad about it because there's literally nothing that I can do to change that situation. So it, it was very, very difficult. And so I know that I, I was in, you know, like I said before, like, the only way that I can describe it is like a dark place. Like I was just, I think, consumed with just the the anger of, of everything. And then, you know, I'm a big believer in therapy. <laughs> so, Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so I knew that in order to not completely rip my, you know, family apart, to not lose my husband and not necessarily lose him, but just push him away because yes. of like my behavior. Right. You know, he wasn't trying to like leave, but it was like, mm, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. feeling anything about this. And, um, I knew that I needed help. So I knew that I needed to, to go into therapy to help like process everything that I was dealing with um, because I didn't want to remain in a place of like anger and bitterness around mm-hmm. like my motherhood. Like the, one of the only things I've ever wanted to be in my life was a mom. So it's like, I want to be able to completely enjoy, you know, the moments with my son and not just be so mad all of the time. And so that's, that's something that I needed to do for myself to get back to myself. If that makes any sense to be able to get to a place where it's just like, you know, I'm okay. Like my heart, yeah, my heart hurts, but I'm okay. Like I'm in a good mental place. And I think that's what set me up to want to try and get pregnant again, which we did late last year, late last year of 2020. But that pregnancy also ended in a miscarriage early on in the pregnancy. Okay. So this this makes three miscarriages that you had. Okay. So the first two were back to back. One of the things that I want to go back to that you, you talked about is anger, feeling angry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't know this, but... Anger is a, another expression of depression, but we, when we think about depression, we think about sadness, we think about tears, we think about crying. We don't associate anger with depression. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you, you know, were like, I was so angry. I think that just gives rise to other moms that, yeah, the ang- you may feel anger. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's really symptomatic of depression. It's just not something that is, you know, really talked about. And I love the fact that you said, I was angry at myself. I was angry at everybody. I was angry at God, right? Because oftentimes people don't want to admit that, right? Yeah. And so the fact that you were able just to say it and recognize it and know that that's what it was, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is. I think that you have to own like your emote, like what you're feeling, like they're mm-hmm. valid emotions, right? Yes. You're feeling them for a reason. So like acting like they don't exist. Like I could have been like, oh, everything is fine. And I'm like, I'm okay. And, you know, I am a believer. Right. And so it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in faith. Like, but I feel like it would have just been lip service, you know? So right. people would ask me and I'm like, if you really want to know, I'm angry. <laughs> they're like, how are you? I'm mad. That's mm-hmm. how I am. And i was that way, like I said, for uh, quite a while. And so, you know, I think that people stopped asking me after a while because they're like, <laughs> I feel like you kind of still seem like you've got that mad vibe. Like, yes, I do. 
I did. <laughs> so did your what did did you seem different to your son? I mean, I know he like he's five now, so he was, you know, well, the last miscarriage was recent. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that really dark place, did your son recognize any differences? Would he say anything or no? You know, he was on the younger side when the, the first two happened. But I know he he was aware that, you know, mommy was pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. and that there was a baby that was supposed to be coming. And so there would be little things that he would do. Like he would be playing like with his Hot Wheels and maybe I would be laying on the couch and um, he would come and he would take one of his cars and put it on my belly. And he'd be like, I'm going to share this with the baby in heaven, Aww. you know, and put it on my stomach. So I think that my relationship with him was probably the only one that was able to be maintained um in a loving kind of a way but like that anger was dispersed to like everybody (laughs) everybody else like I think he was like the only like innocent like you know bystander in all of this so but I I know that he knew that I was upset right that okay Mm -hmm. you know something was going on and you know he uh even like with this this last pregnancy you know he came to me one day and he told me that he was praying for a baby And he was praying for a little baby sister and he was going to nickname her Rainbow. And so when we got pregnant, we named the baby Rainbow because it was just Mm. like, you know, if this baby comes a full term, you know, it will be our Rainbow baby. And But it was just like, you know, at five, like to me, that was like a completely like divine, like conversation right that Mm -hmm. he's having right Right. with the creator because it's like I'm not saying those kind of things to him but for him to have like the just knowing right that like Mm -hmm. we would call this baby rainbow and so being five and having lived through this experience you know together as a family especially in a pandemic like you know we're not we're all like here in the house right he was definitely more affected with this one than with the first two because he was much more involved because he's older Mm -hmm. he knew more about like what was going on so also seeing him hurting right that Mm -hmm. the baby had died like that Mm -hmm. was that was hard too because it was like not, I'm not just, you know, upset. My husband's not just upset. Like my baby boy mm-hmm. is sad. Right. And so that was, that was difficult. I mean, he's such a sweet little lover. Like, so yeah, he, him, it's it's just weird. Like having him, even though he is only five and those little things that he does, like, I think that it helped mend my heart easier. If that, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. So let me ask you, so with the last miscarriage, did you go back into that dark place or were you already kind of equipped with coping techniques and ways to manage it because you had been there before? Yeah, that's a great question. This was a completely different experience for the entire family because I did have those coping mechanisms in place from doing the heart work, like through therapy mm-hmm. and things like that to figure out what, what healing was for me, mm-hmm. um, having gone through that loss. And so, you know, it was still very impactful for all of us, but I can tell you like, without a shadow of a doubt, I didn't even get close <laughs> to where mm-hmm. I was, you know, mentally with the first two. Wow. A lot of times what happens is trauma, well, you had already done the work. So that's the difference because trauma, sometimes that happens when you experience another traumatic situation, it brings up all of that old stuff. But because you had done the work, it didn't have the same effects. You were already, 
I don't want to say prepared, but you had more to work with, right? Because you had more coping techniques and you had already kind of figured out what you needed to do to dig yourself out of that place. Exactly. So let's talk about what that healing has looked like for you. Well, one, you know, we talked about it a bit before was just kind of owning those emotions and, Mm -hmm. you know, letting myself know, like, it's okay to feel like how I feel, right? It's It's okay. And then also another big piece for me personally was having those hard conversations with my husband because, mm-hmm. you know, we're both grieving parents, but our grief looked different. And so yes. part of my anger, even with him, is that you're not grieving the way I'm grieving. So therefore you're not grieving as much as I am, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not as hurt about losing these kids as I am. And, you know, hindsight, right? That that wasn't a fair way to look at it because one is a different person Mm -hmm. so his grief process is going to look completely different but we were both dealing with we were both dealing with things that we hadn't talked to each other about because one like I had put this barrier up like I'm Mm -hmm. mad at you so it's like I kind of don't even care like how you're feeling you know right now because it doesn't look like how I am And so it can't, it can't be real, right? Like you're not completely devastated and like crying, like, you know, endlessly. So it's, it's not real. Like you Mm -hmm. don't care. Um, And so it was being vulnerable with him. And, and it's like, this is, this dude is my best friend. Like he is my best friend in the (laughs) entire world. Right. But, you know, so to kind of think like, you know, he doesn't care, like that's crazy, but like, Mm -hmm. it's how I felt. And so it's like, you know, having those conversations with him, like, this is how this affected me. This is how I felt. This is how I felt seeing your process be different than mine, but then Mm -hmm. also giving him the room to share with me how he also was processing things and how Mm -hmm. he felt. And it was very eye-opening to actually hear it from his side. Cause it was like, I didn't realize that this was happening to you or happening for you because I was just so stuck in like what was going on with me and so consumed by it that I didn't even think about like his perspective or things like that. It was just, I was just, I just knew I was mad. Right. And I think a lot of times women, wives don't think about their husbands, right? Because a lot of times their grief doesn't look like ours. Mm -hmm. I know when I experienced a miscarriage, my husband said that he didn't feel like he had the... I'm trying to think of the word that he's, but essentially what he was saying was he didn't feel like he he had permission to grieve because think it the physical aspects of everything happened to me, mm. and he just felt like he needed to hold it together for us. And so I think that happens in a lot of relationships. The man mm. just doesn't he's not as emotive, and maybe he's not as emotive because he feels like he can't be. Yeah. Well, I know for him in particular, when we actually talked about it, like go figure talking to your spouse <laughs> about something that's happened to the both of you. But he said something similar, right? Especially he was saying like when our the first miscarriage, you know, by the time we got out to the car and, you know, he was working on getting our son into the car, like before I could even get to the car, like I just like, it's like my legs gave out and I just like fell to the ground and just mm. crying and I'm sobbing because I think that everything just kind of hit me at once. And he was just like, in that moment, he was like seeing you in so much anguish. He was like physical anguish that you were going through. He was like, and then, you know, the actual like pain of the miscarriage itself. He was just like, both of us couldn't be falling apart. 
he was like, we have a son, we have Mm -hmm. businesses, we have, you know, all this other stuff that's going on. Both of us couldn't be falling apart. He Mm -hmm. was like, I couldn't show what I was feeling because somebody, like you were saying, like somebody had to keep it together. Mm -hmm. And he was like, and it wasn't going to be you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) It wasn't going to be you. Like it couldn't be you. So he's like, it had to be me. And even that conversation, I didn't realize the weight he had taken on through all of this, right? Mm -hmm. To, in a sense, like give me the space that I needed to like work through my own process. Wow, that's amazing, right? Because it can, your support or someone giving you space, it can come from a spouse, but it can also come from other places, right? But somebody giving you the opportunity and the space to grieve is huge. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times it's just like, I know, well, you know, I've, I've talked to women all over and they just felt like they did not have the time. They had too much going on. So they just tucked it away. Well, thought they tucked it away. It was it, it would come out, but they tucked it away because they had to keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the last major piece, right, of like that unpeeling that you were talking about was starting to share my story. So, you know, dealing with like infertility, like I talked about at the beginning, I had always shared like the hurdles that we were going through. We we dealt with infertility for about four years before we got pregnant with our son. And so it was like, you know, this is going on. Like, here's another negative pregnancy test. This is how I'm feeling, like those kind of things. And what I found is that the more I shared, like people wouldn't necessarily like comment publicly, but like people would Mm -hmm. be in my DMs or texting me. And it's like, I'm dealing with this too. And seeing like you like go through this and keep going and having like the resilient, like it makes me want to keep going. And Mm -hmm. it makes me want to like, keep doing this and then, you know, keep, keep working at it. Right. And so it was like, I don't feel like I would be being my authentic self to not talk about what we were dealing with. So like my husband's very private. So if it were completely up to him, like you know, we would have told like our friends, like, Hey, you know, we lost the baby, you know, this or that, but he probably wouldn't have gone public with it with Mm me. I'm like, Hey, here it is like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, this is what this was like for me. This is how hard this was for me. This is, this is my story. This is my truth. And, you know, I'm sharing it. And again, just like, you know, with the infertility journey, women have reached out and it's just like, you know, I've had, I, I met a woman just in a networking uh, group who had 14 miscarriages. Mm. And I'm like, wow. Right. And, you know, but it's one of those things in society we don't really talk about. Talk about. Nope. We don't. We don't talk about infertility and what that looks like and what that journey is. We don't talk about losing children and what that journey mm-hmm. is and how hard it is, but also how common it is. It is. Yep how common it is. Oh, I think the stat is like one in four women. One in four. Yep. Lose a child. And so it's just like, yeah, like this happens every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the other part of that is, you know, sharing my story and continuing to do so. Right. So in talking about like milestones, right. Like I remember making a post about when like our first, you know, miscarriage, like when their estimated birthday would have been. And I mean, cause that affected me. Like I am supposed to be planning like my baby's first birthday, but they're not here or what that first Christmas was like, because 
you know, for a woman, when you realize like, oh, there's a baby in there, like you see all those things. You see with that first birthday, with that first Christmas, you know, that first holiday that's coming up. Like once you see like that, like you plan all that stuff out. Right. Like, this is what this is going to be like. But those memories don't go away just because the yeah. baby has died. Right. right. And it's mm-hmm. just like, this is how I feel. And it's like other people feel that way too, but sometimes don't feel like they have permission to share like yes. they don't have permission to share their voice on that. And it's like, you know what, as long as I have breath in my body, I'll share. And if I, if it's me, I'll speak for us. Right. Yes. <laughs> and I, I will share, I'll share. And I do, it helps other people. I think. Right. Going I was going to say the same thing. I think that you sharing your story, you telling other people about it helps another woman not to feel so alone. Right. Yeah. Because if you feel like you can't speak up, but you hear another woman talking about it, you feel like I'm not the only one going through this. I'm, this is not it's not just hard for me. Somebody else is going through it and it's hard for them, too. And so that is like the beauty of of you sharing your story. We'll be right back with more of today's episode of the Mahogany Moms Podcast. Are you a mom feeling overwhelmed, stressed by your day-to-day task? We have just the theme. Burps, Fibs, and Breakdowns is a journal with filling prompts, checklists to make sure mom is taking care of herself, and tips sprinkled throughout from other moms. This is the perfect journal for moms of one or moms of many. To order our journal today, Go to MahoneyMomsPodcast.com or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's dive back into the show. Something you, I wanted to kind of go back to your, to your son. Does, does having your, does having your son kind of fuel your desire to have more, right? Because you said he's so sweet. And um, is it kind of like, I want another one of these, another one of him? <laughs> well, on some days, I don't think that I want another one of him. Because it's like, <laughs> oh my God, like the energy level and stuff that he has, is just like, what? Like, where did mm-hmm. this come from? When I realized that I had the desire, you know, to be a mother and it was really early on in life, I knew that I wanted to have more than one child. So I think that that's just kind of like an internal, like, Hey, this, this has been a thing that I have wanted. He helps with it though. Right. I mean, because he (laughs) is, he is like a lover. He's super smart. Like he's very charismatic and it's just like, I'm very lucky to, to have been chosen, you know, to be his mama. Um, so on the good days, he helps with that (laughs) on the, (laughs) on the rougher days. It's just like, Oh, well, maybe one is just fine. Cause my God. <laughs> yeah. And so that's a good segue. Cause I do want to talk about some of the highs and lows, right? Yeah. What is common is that moms talk about the, the fun parts or the good parts about motherhood, but there's not a whole lot of talk. Well, what I've seen is there's not a whole lot of talk about the challenging parts. And when moms start to talk about it being challenging, then other moms come for them and it, and it turns into this, you know, you're, you're just not appreciative, but motherhood is hard. And so we've kind of talked about some of the highs you like, he's so sweet, but what are some of the lows? I think some of the lows come with the realization that no matter how big you are as the mom compared to how little your little person is, 
you are powerless to make another human being do something that they don't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and that goes from like putting the shoes on to like eating the spinach to like coming (laughs) in from outside. Like you can't make another human do something that they don't want to do. And so like that is probably one of our reoccurring lows that I would, I would probably share with my husband. He would probably share that same sentiment because it's just like, Oh, okay. Like, I guess that was just a suggestion, right? For you to come in, <laughs> but it's like, no, like, I really need you to come inside and put your shoes on. Like, so that, that can be a frustrating part with my son in particular. He's very outgoing, very charismatic. I would definitely label him as an extrovert. I, however, am very much an introvert, right? Like we we joke Mm. about like the pandemic, like I think going through the pandemic as a child for me, like I would have been fine because Mm -hmm. like, I didn't really like talking to people (laughs) as a little (laughs) kid, even people that I knew. So it's like, I'm fine. Like being in my room, playing by myself, like occupying like my own time. Like Mm -hmm. I was good. Like I would make homework for myself and do it and grade it like I mean I was oh my gosh yeah (laughs) I'm cold totally okay like being like by myself where him he is like I mean okay so every Tuesday in our neighborhood is like the trash pickup day Mm -hmm. and because he's been home like in virtual schooling up until this past week he went back in person he knows the schedule now and so like (laughs) clockwork every Tuesday he'd be out on the front porch waiting for our you know trash delivered our trash pickup guys to come through and so August is his birthday that happened you know in the midst of this pandemic and we couldn't do a traditional birthday celebration Mm -hmm. for him but we we did like one of those drive-by parade things right Mm -hmm. when people came by and so with part of that we had decorated the door to show that it was his birthday and so they realized like oh hey it's his birthday so like the next week they came through with like a gift for him like they got him like a Hot Wheels car they have been, so they have like a Tuesday, like standing date now. So every (laughs) Tuesday, like he goes out and he talks to them and, you know, they talk to him. And I think that they have given him a brand new Hot Wheels car every Tuesday since August. Oh my gosh. Yes. So that I feel like (laughs) just illustrates the type of like extroverted person that he is. Like Mm -hmm. that's just part of his schedule. Like the guys now, like they are our cousins that drive the big trucks. (laughs) He's adopted them into the family. They're family now. (laughs) So, you know, this week then him going back to school, it's like, oh my God, like he's not going to be here Tuesday to meet, you know, the dudes. And I'm like, (laughs) so I went and got them donuts. And then like, I'm like, hey, this is like, you know, on behalf of, you know, our son, he's not going to be home. He's in school now. Da, 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 da. And they're like, we're going to miss it. And you know what? They had his little gift waiting for him. They're like, well, can you give this to him when he gets wow. home from school? And I'm like, yes. Like, hopefully these donuts will be a bit of a substitute, right? For your, not for having the conversation. Wait, they, so are you doing donuts, do, are you doing donuts every Tuesday from now until no, the end of the year? No, that was, uh, you know, <laughs> let, letting them know like, hey, he's not going to be waiting for you every week now. But I was like, you'll see him again at spring break. And then, you know, you guys will mm-hmm. resume this during the summer. But that that's him. Like mm-hmm. he has the relationship like that with all of our, like the Amazon Prime delivery, you know, guys. <laughs> we have our groceries delivered. He's the one that goes to the door and he taught and he'll and like, and if it's somebody that's repeat, he'll be like, mm-hmm. hey, I remember you. And they're like, yeah, I remember you too. And like just talking. And I'm just like, wow, who is this kid? And so I say all that to say that, you know, sometime part of the low is parenting a kid that's like, 
the complete opposite mm-hmm. of you, right? Personality wise, because there's sometimes I would like to go to the grocery store or be at the, the drive-thru of Starbucks and just get my coffee and going about my business and not have <laughs> to have or like monitor a conversation between mm-hmm. like this adult and like this five-year-old and like, where's the boundary of like stranger danger and like all this other stuff. So there's some frustration that's in that sometimes, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, you know what, that's his personality. And my job is as his mom is to help foster that and not right. squish it, but it's a, an internal struggle. Right. And I think that that's one of those, it, I, I would count it as a low for me because it's one of those things I have to keep reminding myself, like mm-hmm. I'm not raising a mini version of myself, right. I'm cultivating <laughs> the person that he was designed to be right Mm -hmm. and so it's just like it's a lot of (laughs) self-check that Mm -hmm. goes along with that and then the you know I think probably the the other biggest low as far as like motherhood goes is probably like what we talked about earlier is just kind of Mm -hmm. dealing with the um the reality of you know having child loss um because it it is difficult you know sometimes Mm -hmm. like especially um like if we're out playing somewhere and there'll be a kid that will be on the playground that would have been the age of like one of his siblings mm-hmm. and then seeing him interact with that kid and how great he is with you know the, those kids and it's just like it's like kind of seeing a memory of like a future that like I'll never have it's mm-hmm. a weird kind of a thing right mm-hmm. and it's like this kind of constant reminder of hmm, like that's just not how things turned out for us but I mean overall like I think motherhood is kind of great. <laughs> like I, I remember having like a girlfriend that asked, she's like, you know, is it as hard as like people say it is? And I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea. I'm like, it is the most tiring, messy, gross, mm-hmm. frustrating, like limit pushing, capacity building, like emotional, but downright most amazing role I have ever had in my life. Yes. And so that I think it's also good for moms to hear that because it can you can have two emotions simultaneously. Like you can love your child to death and be so excited and at the same time be frustrated and aggravated. Yeah. And so those two things can coexist. Maybe maybe children created that in moms, but yeah. Yeah, they definitely can. And you know, I tell my husband all the time that I think that on a daily basis he has me go through every emotion possible every single day. But like you said, at the end of the day, like I love him. Mm -hmm. I love him. And sometimes I'll even ask like, mama, do you love me even when you're frustrated? I'm like, absolutely. Like Mm -hmm. I do, because I want to make sure that he, like I'm not too cool about like this behavior right now, but I love you. (laughs) like nothing is ever going to change that like Mm -hmm. yeah I'm frustrated but I love you yeah yeah so I I wanted to kind of circle back to so something you mentioned before and then I'll come back because it's kind of two questions in one Mm -hmm. but you said you had a recent miscarriage in this 2020-2021 pandemic this pandemic year so I know that you're you were in a better place because you had coping skills because of therapy and being able to process. But was the experience different because of the pandemic? Right. You don't have as much. There's not as much outside support as there could have been because of the pandemic. Yeah, there, there definitely was a difference because of the pandemic itself with the earlier two that were definitely, you know, prior to covid 
when we experienced those those losses, our community definitely came around to support mm-hmm. us. They did things like meal trains, delivering meals, mm-hmm. very similar to like what you would like when somebody's bringing home a brand new baby, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, you know, I primarily do like the grocery shopping and the cooking and the stuff like that for the family. So it's just like, we know that you're dealing with some stuff. Mm-hmm. We will go ahead and take care of feeding you and your family. And so a lot of that was, you know, of them bringing that food, sitting, having like those visits and, you know, just kind of checking up on me, checking up on my husband, bringing kids over so they could, you know, play with Aiden, you know, or coming to get him mm-hmm. so that, you know, I could just kind of have some time alone to like, just unwind or just do whatever it is that I wanted or needed to do for myself. Being in the middle of a pandemic, a lot of that stuff wasn't possible. So, you know, you can't just have someone come pick your kid up, even though Mm. it would have been wonderful (laughs) to to have that happen. It's it's just not possible because I mean, who's who are we going to send him with? Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, potentially everybody is a risk for him getting sick or, you know, And so we definitely, like, I noticed like the difference of like, you know, obviously like not having people be able to come by the house or or Mm -hmm. things like that, like they had in the past. So it was very different. Right. And timing wise, we lost that baby actually the Tuesday of Christmas, like the week of Christmas. So it was Christmas. Like we're usually just kind of by ourselves anyway, to just Mm -hmm. kind of celebrate with our, our family, um, like our small family, like me, my husband and my, and our son. So that was normal, but it was just like, okay. we're also dealing with like this loss that we've just had. So one of the things that like my husband did, he's a photographer. And so oh. leading up to like that Christmas Eve, I think it was, he asked me if I felt up to like, you know, kind of getting dressed and doing my hair and the makeup and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I can probably make that happen. And he took us out to the desert and we did like this nighttime photo shoot wow. because he knew that like I needed to laugh. And so we just did like this goofy stuff together. Like we're like holding our son like upside down and taking pictures and just, you know, like being scared, like, you know, hearing things out in the desert, like, what is that? You know, like as like the <laughs> the camera is clicking and taking pictures. And so it was probably one of the best things that we could have done together because we all needed that time out of the house you know, and I think there's something about like getting dressed and kind of looking, you know, yes. your best kind of like makes you feel better. So it's like, even my son had on like this little suit jacket. And so like, we all like look really nice mm-hmm. and it was a nice, beautiful drive. Plus like the laughter and just kind of being together. I think it was one of those things that just kind of helped us you know, like overall with the absence of our community, not being able to be with us. Oh, that sounds, that sounds really nice. I can only imagine what the pictures must've looked like in being in the desert and nighttime. Yeah. Wow. That was like, that was a really good idea that your husband came up with. Oh, I know he's a keeper. keeper. (laughs) Now that I'm not mad at him anymore. (laughs) He's, He's definitely a keeper. Okay. What do you wish you knew about motherhood before you had Aiden? What do you wish you knew or what do you wish someone would have told you? Um, Three things, I think. One would have been to give myself grace, mm-hmm. right? And to give myself time to adjust to my new normal in every stage of motherhood, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just like when the baby comes home, like, yeah, that's right. new. But, you know, when the baby starts 
walking and talking and like, you know, like I was a breastfeeding mom. So like, you know, what that's like to like now have to feed like regular food kind of stuff in that transition to school and, and all like, those are all new normals, like new iterations of like your motherhood journey. And you have to give yourself grace through every single one of those. And it's going to look different depending on where you are in those stages. Right. Um, I think the second one would have been to remind me to be willing to ask for the help that I needed. Yay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, I think that we have a tendency to put on that superhero cape, right. Mm -hmm. And we're all wonder woman and we can do it all and we can, but we can't. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so you need to ask for help. Like I need to, I need to ask for help all of the time. And so it's just like being okay saying, Hey, you know what? I can't do all this Mm -hmm. by myself. And, you know, tell your spouse, right? Like they're not my readers. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, me and my husband, we've known each other for 20 years. He still doesn't know what's going on inside of this head. I have to tell him, Hey, I have a call at such and such. I need you to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to be in the office late. I need you to start dinner. You would think Mm -hmm. that it'd be like, Hey, it's like dinner time. I'm still in my office. Nobody's cooking. You should, <laughs> but no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Tell them that you need help. Tell your community that you need help. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I need a babysitter, not for a date, not for anything else, because I want to go to Target and walk down the aisles of Target by myself. Yes. So I need somebody to come and watch my son right? Or he needs a play date because he's going stir crazy and his stir craziness is driving me crazy. So it's just like, tell your people what you need, Mm -hmm. right? I can remember early on when he was still an infant, one of my girlfriends calling and just kind of checking off me and she's like, you know, what do you need? And I'm like, I need a nap. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, okay. She was like, how can I help you make that happen? (laughs) I was just like, I don't know. I was like, but that's what I need. And she's like, okay. She was like, are you okay with me coming to the house and like playing with him, you know, with the baby there at the house? And I'm like, I think so. She was like, I'll be over like in an hour and I can stay for a few hours when I get there, go upstairs and go to sleep. And I'm like, done. (laughs) Right. Like that, that's what I needed. Right. Like that was the help I needed. That was that was so awesome. The The awesome part about that is that she asked you, what do you need? Because sometimes it's hard for moms to say that ask for help. But if some, if your friend is calling you and she's like, I know you just had a baby or your baby's teething or maybe your baby's starting to walk, whatever. But what do you need? And then you were able to say, I need a nap. And yes. so then she's like, okay, well, are you comfortable with me doing, I can do this, but are you comfortable with it? Like, I love that. We, I think we all, even as moms, like when we see other with other moms, we need to be more mindful of that so that they don't necessarily have to ask because we know moms need help. It's just a matter of what they need help with. Right, right. And if they're okay with taking that help, right? Yes. Because, you know, sometimes you're still in that, I got my cape on mode and it's right. like, get over yourself and take the help. <laughs> exactly. Take get over yourself. Yes. Get over yourself. Like somebody else can feed your baby those split peas out mm-hmm. of that jar. Like, so you can go take a bath. Like, it's fine. Everybody yeah. will survive. Right. I think the the last thing that I wish, you know, 
or that I would like have told myself or I wish somebody had told me to is to try to find the joy in those ordinary moments of Mm -hmm. motherhood right you know I know from my own experience like you know I there would be days that you know I'm just kind of like here and I like life just kind of seemed mundane right like I'm doing the same thing getting up I got peed on today I'm changing this (laughs) diaper like I've got Mm -hmm. breast milk over all over me like bleh right Mm -hmm. but finding the joy in that giggle right in that moment when you're like enjoying tummy time and it's just like yeah like that's a joyful moment in the midst of just the ordinary Mm -hmm. day in the life of being a mom right or you know as he's gotten older being able to sit down and have lunch at the the kitchen table and listen to him talking about dinosaurs or whatever like Mm -hmm. I don't care about dinosaurs right (laughs) Right. but you know seeing how excited he is about the dinosaurs and how well he can pronounce these names and I'm like that's a what dinosaur what (laughs) like oh right it's like finding those like that joy right in those ordinary moments like we have lunch all the time but like seeing like I said the just the excitement on his face and finding joy in that and it's just like okay like these long, tiring, messy, gross days. Like, I think when you're finding those moments of joy, like it makes it seem easier. If yes. It makes mm-hmm. it seem easier. And it doesn't seem so just mundane and so routine and like, okay, this is like my life now. It's just like, no, like this is my life. Yeah. This is my life now. It's a different <laughs> perspective on it. Yeah. It's embracing where you are. Bloom saying, what do they say? Bloom where you're planted. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you told us what you wish you would have known. Is there something you would tell another mom? Any, is there anything different than what you, what you wish you would have known that you would tell another mom like right now? I think that it would be to make taking care of yourself a priority, right? Like in my practice, like I talk about self-care, is selfish and it should be because it's taking care of yourself but giving yourself that permission and letting go of the guilt right of like using your time and your energy and your resources to take care of you and not thinking about doing like your self-care practicing your self-care as a way to like be a better mom though that's a great byproduct of like practicing like regular self-care but it's not the root the root of it is to make sure you're okay And if you are practicing regular self-care, taking those moments, like I call them like selfish moments, right? Mm -hmm. Taking those moments for yourself, like you're just going to feel better and you're going to show up as a better mom. You are going to show up as a better spouse. You are going to show up as like a better boss or coworker or whatever other roles that you, that you play, but you have to prioritize you. Mm -hmm. Like you, you just have to, for the sake of making sure you are okay period. Love that. You have to, you said you have to prioritize you. So moms, she said you have (laughs) to prioritize you. And that is so difficult for a lot of moms because we put everyone and everything before we put ourselves. You have to prioritize. Yes. I I want to ask, is it different? Do you feel that the way that you mother your son is different because of the losses that you? That's a good question. Probably. Right. Like, as you know, as I'm thinking about it, like I probably appreciate 
the moments that I have with him, probably more so than I would have if I was dividing my time, you know, amongst multiple children, right? And probably not taking things that he does like for granted, right? Because it's like, you know, hey, like we could not be experiencing like any of this like at all. But you know, I'm I'm at least experiencing it with him and being present, like, you know, with him, right? So that probably you know, stems from, from that loss, you know, at least partially okay. making sure that like, I'm, I'm just present. Right. And I'm just mama amongst okay. all the other stuff that I do. Right. So is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to share? You know, I, I think that we've like hit a lot. <laughs> yes, <we have. laughs> yeah. I think that we've hit a lot that I think the only thing that I would just, you know, reemphasize is the, the self-care piece as moms. Like I think it is so important. And like you said, we have a tendency to just put ourselves at that bottom of that to-do list, that priority list, like over and over and over again. And it's like, that's not healthy. No. Um, and it's also like me- what it is we do, whether practicing self-care or not practicing, it mirrors um, that behavior for our children. Exactly. Yes. Right. So me being, you know, a mom to a little boy who potentially is going to grow up and like date and marry, you know, one right. day, like knowing that self-care is important is going to shape not only him, but how he exhibits that like acceptance, right. With self-care with his spouse. And I think that's super important. It is. So I have sons and they were telling me that I'm so forgetful. Like they'll tell me something and I'll, I'll forget or I'll say something and I'll forget. And so I really, t- I was really explaining to them all the stuff that I do to manage and why I get so forgetful. And my oldest son was like, stop talking. He's like, it's too much. I just can't, I can't hear anything else. <laughs> so I say that to say that I think that you, you're talking about modeling. That is such a good thing for us to do for our kids because they don't if you have sons they don't they they don't know what moms do they don't know all of the things that you do right and so sharing and modeling self-care for them for when they do have a wife or you know is helpful for them so they have a better understanding they know what it looks like they understand why you're even doing it yep so I think that's awesome. So for a mom who's listening to the podcast and your story resonates with her and she wants to talk to you or or just learn more about you, where can she find you? So um, she can go to my web- website, which is lavistajones.com. Super simple. It's just my name. <laughs> or any of the social media um, platforms, you can find me there as Lavista Jones. You know, it's just the okay. same across the board. Um, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Lavisa Jones or lavisajones.com. Awesome. We thank you so much for sharing your story and talking about the joys uh, and the challenges of motherhood. Have a great evening and thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.